Welcome to Half a Cinch. This is a music podcast where we talk about albums from 1972. My name is Mike. His name is JR. Hello. And with this is Bobby. It's me. Bobby's I, here. I want to start by saying uh, you don't have to just have me on for prog rock. Uh, uh, well, that's know. that's that's how it's worked out. Sorry. <laughs> that, that's okay. That's how I like it, a lot of other stuff. You guys hear that new Taylor Swift? It's it's a bop. It's a bop. as the kids. It's yep. lit, bro. It's just Fire. how it's just how it worked out. There's a there's a lot of prog albums come out that year, and it's true. I you, looked at the list. You, I mean, you kind of started it by wanting to be on one, and then we're just like, up. Oh, well, there it is. You're just gonna go to him every time now. I'm fine with it. Um, but yeah, the prog band we're talking about is yes. Uh, the album is close to the edge. I only know one yes album, and that is Fragile, the one that came before this one. Do you think that if these guys came out now, they'd be called Yeah instead of Yes? <laughs> well, yes with an exclamation point. <laughs> yes! I mean, every time I go to search for Yes in Spotify... Do you mean it, Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs? Yes, it, that's the first <laughs> option that comes up when I go Y-E, and they're like, oh, Yeah, Yeah, yes. Yeah, Yeah, yes. yeah of course. No, the the formal. I want the formal version. Yes, uh, I I I remembered like I have I've never listened to this record. I put it in the old music service and brought it up. I recognize the cover, which is weird because it's so completely like nondescript. But I recognize the cover. I don't know anything off of this album. The only records that, much like you, was. Was it close to the edge? Is that the one with roundabout and every? No, it's it? fragile. Close oh, to the fra- edge is what we're sorry, talking fra- about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, fragile is the one that I know. Yes, yes, yes. And then, and then, yeah, and then yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but what is it called? The the album they put out in the eighties that was really owner of a lonely heart. Nine oh one two five. Nine oh one two five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my and jam. That record is awesome, and we'll get into it. But that that's peak yes for me like that's mm-hmm. yeah and we'll, we'll talk about it now back to back to what you said earlier I, I just thought of it if if yes came out today they would be a positive hardcore band and they would be called affirmative affirmative okay oh All that right. like that doesn't exist right <laughs> There's no way it doesn't <laughs> uh but yeah close to the edge you're talking about the cover uh i learned that this is the first time that the the traditional yes logo the thing that we all know oh yeah this is the first time it's appeared uh on this album cover uh designed by guy named uh roger dean i think he he did all of their artwork iconic two first names i mean the logo is i don't know about the cover but well, yeah, the yes, the yes logo, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, and he did that without even like telling the band. He he just he just came up with it one day riding the train, and he said, well, "We're gonna put it on there." I think and... they call it trolleys. Wait, are they from England? <laughs> that just I just assumed. Yeah, trolleys. Isn't no. that what they call the? Oh, the they, tram. They have, they have trains too. I don't think they do. <laughs> They have, t- they have they have all the tube, don't they? They have the tank engines. <laughs> I remember that. Uh this is their fifth album. Uh re- recorded it at in London at Advision. Uh it's coming off the success of Fragile. Fragile was their most successful album up until this. Roundabout got a lot of radio play. Um it I mean it's it, awesome. 
it put yeah. yes it yeah. put yes on the map and then close to the edge actually beat out fragile it now close to the edge is it sold more it became which is when we talk about you know the songs itself um this being only three very long tracks it's it's kind of crazy that this one was you know more commercially successful than well fragile. this is the this is the record that like like fragile was you know monstrous and huge and people are like, oh, I want to hear the next one. And so they, yeah, and right. back in that time, you buy the record. You don't know. You haven't heard it. They're not going to play this on the radio. No. And then you're like, oh, this is what we get. And this is what you get for supporting this fucking band. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. People are like, oh, oh I love it. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, more importantly, you nailed it, Bob. You can only you can't listen to any three of these three songs on the radio. So if you want to listen to it, and tapes aren't really a thing mm-hmm. yet, you have to buy this record or know someone who has it and go listen to yeah, it. Yeah, there so. there was no borders that you could go to and like yeah. listen yeah. to it before it came out. <laughs> like, you know, there was yeah. no preview station. No, you're right because Fragile was seventy one, and this is seventy two. So I mean, that success that success was was still like red hot for them so yeah i mean it was just basically because of the success of fragile that it it outsold um you know and it's just one of those things where like um even john anderson said that this it was like it was kind of momentous for them because right after recording this or during the recording of this album he said he got very emotional because this was the first time that he was like legally a musician according to like the tax man and mm. he, he got to write it down on his passport for the first time what his, his occupation was musician so uh, yeah i mean it was they were having a moment at this I, time. I, I will say that that in listening to this record and i i'm sure that there are a lot of people that love this record um but it sounds very much like they adored writing and recording this like you would have to because holy shit is it there's a lot going on in this in the what is it you said three songs i thought there were four but i mean Uh, still it's technically just three tracks yeah jesus christ um but it being like just under 40 minutes uh peaked at number four in the uk peaked at number three in the u.s number three that's crazy um how about any radio support (laughs) yeah uh rolling stone put it at like 445 out of the top 500 albums of all time and their 2020 list but i'm sure fragile's on there too so yeah yeah i'm sure it's uh but going back to um the recording process from what i read uh lots of fighting lots of fighting going on lots of arguments i'm sure that writing it it felt great. It felt like mm-hmm. they were really on to something. But the actual uh, process the of actual like getting process, in the studio. Yeah, it was it was um it was tumultuous. Uh and there a lot of a lot of the members would like in like later interviews, everyone seemed to be like blaming someone else for the fighting. Everyone's like Squire would be like, mm-hmm. it was Wakeman's fault, and Wakeman would be like, Oh, it's Anderson's fault. I, uh, I think it's Wakeman. <laughs> i would not it wouldn't surprise me i mean we've all been in bands to where you like playing writing music is one thing playing music is another thing and recording is a million miles away and those different personalities are bigger in each of those stages like i've been in bands where we went into like an actual studio 
and I've been like, are we even fucking friends? Like, what is going on? <laughs> I have to leave a lot when I record because if I'm like um, manic and shit about like uh, the recording process and trapped in a house with everyone that I like, actually right. like the people in my band. So I'll like walk to the gas station or like go. I'm always like yeah, trying just... to go somewhere else when I'm not recording because can only take so much of that kind of JR. Well, and you have like the at least the the luxury of being a drummer sometimes to where hey drums are done all right yeah just hanging out exactly same with bass which is pretty much yeah two i've recorded for the last whatever but you're done early and you're done in like one day or two days so yeah then you're just walking around annoying everybody we're adding too many ideas add this let's add this let's add this (laughs) it's not even just the sound there there's that whole part of arrangement there's you know, the, the people turn into perfectionists, people turn, you know, or I had this idea of it's like, we're in the studio. We don't, we're not going to come up with new stuff. We're not yeah. Metallica. Like we didn't move yeah. here. Mm. You know, this is no, three this days is or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a funny story I read from the, the studio time was they, they came up with a very cool part that they were going to add later. Uh, obviously their songs are so long that they're, you know, they would come up with parts and sections and then they would just record like a certain section, like a certain idea. And they came up with one very cool idea for for a song. And uh, that night, the the janitors of the studio ended up throwing it away. And oh so apparently they spent like an entire night uh, just going through the trash bins trying to find it. Um, but they, they, they did. But hey. Uh, that you know, those are the days before digital, right? Those are the days sure, where it's like sure. everything, everything was was disposable. Like all tape could just be burned or destroyed. Well, I mean, well, digital don't, don't doesn't that offer was... any sort of you know uh, satisfaction out of that end because you have computers breaking down and files yeah. getting deleted and oh, I didn't record. Sorry. Well, and don't think looking for that tape was easy. I mean, people in tape days, you splice tape. So oh, there's yeah. like tons of cut up tape they had to like get through. Yeah, too. and imagine this is this is the dumpster outside of a studio, so it's just mm-hmm. filled with tape. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They it's found like, it though. Those yeah. janitors are so fucking fired. It's like it's like trying to find Taco Bell nacho fries in a Taco Bell dumpster. Right? <laughs> Sponsored by Turnstile. <laughs> uh, we won't get into that. But um, what else was I going to say? Oh, so. The, all of the fighting and uh, the process itself actually led the drummer, Bill Bruford, to quit the band right after they were done with the recording. And he went and he joined King Crimson, where apparently King Crimson, they they have a, a, a an easier approach to writing music. I, I mean, there's only three of them. That's the only thing I could think of being easier. <laughs> I mean, this album compared to King Crimson stuff. It's more chaotic. It seems it's more laborious. Oh, I would God, say. yes, I uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think yes. Bruford said that he 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 wanted to do more like uh, jazz improvisation kind of s- stuff, and he he didn't really like the he didn't really like the mood of the music that Yes was going into. So, yeah. um, but still though, it, it he you know he did his parts and they turned out really good and. Uh, you know, you know and, and in talking about 90125, like, and, and why I regard that as like, maybe my favorite, yes, is because 
it is reined in a little bit. Like it's not, you know, they, it's, it's moving pictures by rush. It's let's write songs and try and what, and it's great. There's still incredibly good playing and, you know, very <clears throat> different sounds and very, uh, you know, you know, exploratory, you know, ideas, but at the end of the day, we need songs like, yeah, this yeah, is I, a piece my, of music, my not favorite. a song. That, that's absolutely my favorite record I, too and of course that's my generation but uh yeah yeah they there's an amazing story behind that record i'm not sure if you know about it the band had split up into two camps and they were like we're gonna start our own bands and we're gonna do like stuff more 80s ish mm -hmm. and so they started writing songs then they saw each other a few months later and they're like hey let's get together and show each other what we've been working on and it always the same fucking shit. Ah, that's great. So like, all right, let's just get together and make nine oh one two five. Right, 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 right. So I thought that was pretty great. I mean, even was, if you're fighting and you don't get yeah. along, it's always the something with that art, like you're saying, Bob. When you're playing, is a totally different thing. So. Yeah. Where, was don't... someone in Yes in uh, Asia? Uh, I can't remember. If it was, it might have been Steve Howe. Was it the guitar? I was guitar? say Maybe. it could be Steve Howe. Maybe the only one still rocking it. He's the only one still in. Yes, I think he's the only original yeah. member still there. But <laughs> correct. Uh, Poor guy. But the um, I don't know if it was Alan White who was the drummer for uh, Owner of a Lonely Heart, but he's the guy that replaced Bruford. And an interesting story there is, Bruford offered to go on tour for this album. And Steve Howe said no. He was like, if you're not committed to the band anymore, then you know, yeah. forget it. Whatever. I'm and, on Team Howe. And uh, later, like Steve like regretted it because he thought it would have been very cool for Bruford to be part of that tour. That that tour ended up being like a concert, uh, a concert film. Uh that the Yes Songs, the live album Yes Songs, a lot of that that concert ended up on that. I've always and, to, meant to watch that and never have. But uh, Alan Alan White took over, and the thing contractually, for some reason, uh, Al, like Alan White had to split his royalties um, with Bruford, because even though like Bruford wasn't on the tour, um, then like later, Alan White like offered to pay all of the royalties that he got for the album back to Bruford. Oh, that's what it was. The, oh, that's he, weird. Bruford had to split his album royalties with Alan White because he was on the tour. And then Alan, sure. Alan, as a as a gesture of of goodwill, he was like, I'll give all those royalties I made back to you because I wasn't on the album. So, yeah. Um, in, nice. in, case, in case you're wondering, uh, Asia had mm -hmm. John Welton from King Crimson, yeah. St Steve Howe and Jeff Downs from Yes. Oh yeah, and Carl Palmer from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. <laughs> okay, I need to Ew. actually give them a shot. I only know like the, I only know the, you know, the hit. I, I'll bet they're pretty good. Yeah, John John Wetton, by the way, my favorite singer for uh, King Crimson. He was my favorite singer and bass player in that band. Is Asia I, the best band that's named after a, a place? Oh, so yeah. Asia, I, Europe, Chicago, America, Boston. Boston. You're forgetting about Kansas. Kansas. Is that it? I don't know. Oh, we got Alaska. That's an album. London. Me. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Ohio. I'm just. I, I'm sure there's. I'm oh, sure there's, there's a band called Defiance, Ohio. 
Nice. I'm sure that there's some bands that like aren't as big and popular, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I was no. in Asia tonight. Um, is there is there a place called Yes? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, up. Well, here's here's your personnel. You got John Anderson on lead vocals. Uh, one thing I, about John Anderson, which is is funny to me, is that most prog bands that I know of don't just have a guy that just does the vocals. He's also like doing something else. Like most prog bands, the lead, the lead singer is also doing something else. And I know that John Anderson plays other instruments because he wrote a lot of the stuff like on acoustic guitar. But in the band himself, on the recording, he's just singing. I wondered about that. That was my, I don't know a lot about Yes, but that was my, it just sounded right to me that he didn't do anything else because the vocals on this are literally their own instrument. And in my opinion, this and the bass are the best sounding thing on this record. Um, and I don't, the only things I know about him are uh, roundabout this record now. And then this nightmare of a Christmas album that he recorded <laughs> yes. that yeah. D used to play at poker all the time. And I grew to enjoy it. Like after a few listens, I was like, I like this. So, and then of course uh, the aforementioned 90125, but, <laughs> but yeah, he, he has, I don't think there's anyone that sounds like him and I don't think there's anyone that really writes. He's, he's very good at writing to his own voice. If that makes any sense, it sounds yeah. kind of dumb, but like he uses his voice and, and records his voice as it, as if it were an instrument. Yeah. And, and you know, and I, I have not seen any like live footage of yes. So I don't know if like he's ever, you know, brings the guitar out on stage, but uh, if, you know, if all he needs to do is sing, that's fine because all the other guys handle their instruments, you know, well. Like he, they they don't need an extra guitar player, that's for sure. It but, uh, it saved, uh, and this is you know the first track of this album. Well, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but that that first track until the vocals came in, I was just like, kill me, like just <laughs> fucking kill. This is literal torture. <laughs> and then when the vocals came in, I was like, oh, shit, I really like like it. It becomes a completely different animal. Yeah. And then then we got, we, you know, Steve Howe. We talked about he's on guitars back. It was Chris Squire, bass player. Um, the only member, only member who's passed on. Uh, well, besides Great Alan, drummer. besides yeah. Alan White. Um, yeah, yeah, he he died this year, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it him and Steve were still playing. Steve's the only one left. Yeah. Uh, Chris, then, can I just say Chris Squire before you move on? Chris yeah, Squire, Chris Squire, thank you so much. I rip you <laughs> off all the time on the bass. He's the guy that uh, whenever you have a low note, do do, and then you go do do. Whenever you yeah, maybe yeah. shouldn't, when maybe you shouldn't <laughs> do that, but you're but gonna do it anyway because I play, play a little guitar. Yeah, he he taught me that, and I thank you, Chris Squire, forever for that. So yeah, he is like. He is definitely like the heart of the band. Like his bass playing is incredible. The sound, like you said, the bass is like one of the best sounding instruments. It sounds mm-hmm. like if if you like bass at all, li- just listen to this record. It the way the bass sounds to me is just 
it sounds like what electric bass guitar should sound like. And I think yeah. you could take it and you could put it in Tool. You could put it in Kansas. You could yeah. put it on tour with fucking Kelly Clarkson. If that is the bass sound, I will be into it because it it's just the way it should sound. It sounds great. I think one of his best performances is on, on Fragile, the album before this, the I forget the name of it, but the last song on that album, the the whole opening uh, piece of music is just one of the best bass performances ever. It's it's so good. Well, and and I mean, it'll be talked about to death, but the bass line in Roundabout is iconic. Like just yeah. the sound of it, the 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 technical aspect of playing it. It just, it's just flows perfectly. And the little trills he throws in, like, it, you know, in the transitions, it's just like, he's a master. Like, it it sounds beautiful. Like, in an John, instrument. John Inthwistle from yes. The Who. It's really good. Uh, oh, that then, song you're talking about, Mike, is Heart of the Sunrise. Yes. Yeah. The the opening the opening piece to that it it changes of course like every good prog rock song does but he reminds uh, me it reminds me kind of like of Dan from Between the Buried Me like he'll always have he like adds so much to the band and when you hear it it's so great but then there'll be a, like a little solo part on the records where he'll stand out and do his little solo thing mm -hmm. you know they're very they're very yesy and we way. we've probably talked about this before but I've seen that band twice and the first time I saw them I just stood in front of him and just like mouth agape like just holy shit like that guy yeah. is like, have you ever listened to uh trioscapes his side project oh i've and heard of it but i haven't it's listened to it. a saxophone player a drummer and him on bass and it's really really good like it's I bet it's, it's awesome fantastic. i got a lot of shit to listen to tonight asia <laughs> trioscapes <laughs> um and then uh rick wakeman on keys and and blonde hair and cape you know a lot of people <laughs> talk about oh i'd go back in time and kill hitler i'd go back in time no i would choke rick wakeman to death in front of a board where his children were recording birthday songs for him in the vocal booth like oh god i i i like like a lot of people do over halloween i watched a lot of of scary movies and uh i watched a creep show too which I had never seen before. Uh, oh Rick, man! Rick Wakeman does the music for that. Really? Uh, oh. Yeah. Creepshow too. Uh, I I loved Creepshow when I was a kid. It was one of my favorite movies. Creepshow two is off. It's so bad, but there's one part in it that's great, and it's the only. I think it's the only story Stephen King wrote uh, for Creepshow two, and that's the what is it the the lake yeah or the yeah that's the best the little one. blob thing that follows yeah him. yeah yeah i love that one that's that so one's good. the best yeah and it's yeah. just it's it, it creep show 2 is like a knockoff of creep show like the first one is great and the second one is not it's uh anyways <laughs> sorry but that's but that's still, been bob's horror corner for you i there. i'm i'm pretty sure that i I, you know, I watched so many that they all kind of ran together, but I, I know that he did a sequel and I, I think that's the one he did, but um, yeah. And then uh, we talked about Bill Bruford. Uh, this is his final yes album uh, on the drums. I didn't so, know. I, I had to look up who Rick Wakeman was. And this was like in my probably early twenties, the uh, dead Kennedys put out like a compilation record. It's like greatest hits. And then like some live stuff and stuff like 
and there's one song that they do called I Like Short Songs. And at the beginning, Jello just, and it's a live recording and it's like a 20 second song. And it's the, he says, Rick Wakeman, eat your heart out. Here we go. And I'm like, who the fuck <laughs> yes. is Rick Wakeman? And yes. then I, I had to look it up and I was like, oh shit, Rick Wakeman. There you go. That's funny. Uh, another uh, uh, Rick Wakeman thing I remember that came out this year was I watched that Sex Pistols show um, mm-hmm. that Danny Boyle directed. And there's a there's a scene in one of the episodes where they're watching live footage of just Rick Wakeman. It's not yes, it's just Wakeman doing solo shit. And they're all just like they're all just disgusted by it. <laughs> they're, they're like they're like they're like is this this is the face of rock and roll? Is like just a bunch of like sedated bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I he he personifies the the mom didn't buy me a guitar and made me take piano lessons like kind of dude that like like this uh it just i i know people love it and there are some people that do it and it's fantastic but Mm -hmm. when i whenever i hear like especially if it's if it's piano great if it's some sort of like organ like there's a lot of organ in this record that i'm just like why is this here it doesn't add anything. It's just awful. Um, but yeah, it's just they 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 do their their due diligence, but it just it never hits with me. It rarely ever hits with me. Well, we've been over is... the doodly 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 do, and there's a ton yeah. of it on this record. Yeah, it's not as bad as ELP. No, so no. Tra- uh, this this also has uh steven wilson remix this one mike yeah, as well yeah. as a lot he's, of other ones from he's this. done he's done a lot of like remastering remixing of the the, the prog classics that's yeah. that's what steve wilson is is doing a lot of these days it's um, crazy uh, another another real quick wake story uh uh my wife's stepdad he's a photographer and yes is his favorite band and he actually got to meet wakeman and take a lot of like concert photos um and you know he tells me he's a very cool guy so you know probably is i'm sure yeah you know what just as an aside uh uh if you're gonna start a punk band out there quick wakeman is a pretty good uh name for a band i think (laughs) yeah this is my band quick wakeman (laughs) if you use that send your venmo to bob yeah side one it's the entire side of the record is close to the edge title track it's the longest song that they've recorded um it's like 18 plus minutes didn't have to be it because they, they broke it down into four sections like sure. every fucking prog song is sure. uh this the sections are the solid time of change that's the part you hate bob because the way it opens up is is just craziness i i would be willing to bet that someone could explain it to me and make it make sense and be like this is why but it it goes on way too long it's incredibly like grating it's i not a fan no it doesn't begin with that it begins with water and i wrote down here 10 seconds in and already i have to pee it's it's a very there's a very long intro of like bird sounds and water sounds and I, i i read that they 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 put that all on a tape loop and that that tape loop was over forty feet long. Oh my god! And the janitors threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> that was the part that the janitors. Yeah, they're like, this. no one's using this shit. Uh, no, so um, 
my one of my employees and my wife actually both saw this tour that's happening right now of this record that they're doing they're doing closer to the edge mm-hmm. uh, and with steve howe like we've talked about mm-hmm. my wife said it was a bunch of people sitting down and every once in a while someone would lift their arm like yeah but uh, everyone <laughs> sat down otherwise the they, uh, they played they played one set of this record then they came out and did all the other hits or whatever yeah. but uh uh yeah it's pretty funny um but i thought uh the first thing i thought of is this part that bob hates at the beginning and i just imagine my wife like at this concert and this what starts and she's this? like what the fuck is going it's yeah. this is zap even zappa would be like what the fuck it's like beyond that it's like Mersbow, like noise <laughs> like jazz <laughs> like oh fucking yeah. it's, it's I definitely thought- a band all warming up and not playing the yeah. same thing <laughs> yeah then it goes in the next section, total mass retain. And that's when yeah. vocals come in and it actually becomes a song. Beautiful. Good, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, there's the, the, the chorus to it as they named a section three, I get up, I get down, which is a very cool chorus. It's I, I liked it a lot. The, the, I get up, I get down. Yeah. Get down. Yeah. Well, they, they reprise this later on too, yep. don't they? The, the, to, to the outro, which was a big surprise for me, even though, it should have been completely apparent as there's only like four songs and especially the last one we did with Genesis, like did the same thing there with uh supper's ready and like bringing back the, but it, yeah. it, it shocked me. And I was like, Oh, that's that part. I like. Yeah. Yeah. Then it has the, it has that really quiet part. Yeah. And then they bring it back around. I can't remember if it's, it's this one or one of the others that like the organ playing is so like Phantom of the opera style. Mm-hmm. Um, that's towards the end. Yeah um i like the lyric 200 women watch one woman cry i thought that was that kind of oh, stood yeah, out. Yeah. So, they uh the bass like we said rules too but uh there's like weird water drips too in this is this the third part we're talking about yeah yeah and i think this yeah. is still part of that tape loop that 40 foot long tape yeah. loop where they recorded all these like additional sounds it's just going the whole time and then whenever the song gets quiet you can hear it yeah maybe <laughs> yeah um it's it's interesting to do but then it, it comes back around and the, the fourth section is called seasons of man which is another mm-hmm. lyric in the in the uh how and anderson wrote the lyrics they were inspired by well anderson saying he was he was reading lord of the rings uh along with listening to a composer named gene uh sibelius and it, that kind of inspired his like lyrics and then he was also reading siddhartha by herman hess and it's all it's all kind of like like literature references or and just the idea of that sort of thing what is it the good artists steal great artists whatever i don't know the good 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 artists borrow great artists steal steal. yeah 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 Yeah. they they do an awesome six eight four four thing um at the end uh, in that part four at the very end of it it's pretty cool and it sounds like anderson leads it because he's got the it's like led kind of by the vocals but it really plays with how you can do six eight four four at the same time kind of but make those changes pretty cool the mixing on this like is something that really jumped out at me is how forward everything sounds when you're not really used to that with a lot of traditional you know four-piece rock band where it's the vocals are very upfront. The bass is very upfront, and I I would love I love that the drums aren't so much. It's you know it's they're not and, yeah, and they're very thin. I thought like I, I it could have used a little more, 
uh, something. I there's, don't know from the drums. There's one part. I don't think it's in this song. We'll t- so we'll talk about it later. But it's like where they they hit a tambourine with the snare, and it makes it sound better than the drums it's on the like rest of the record. It fills it out. It fills it. Yeah, it makes it feel deeper and nicer. It's know? it's interesting you say that about the drums because their producer, the guy that's been with them since the beginning, uh, Eddie. Eddie Orr. Eddie offered. Offered, yeah. He he's, he, he's done another record. I don't know which one. Oft mentioned Eddie offered. Yeah. He did the three eleven record. We we yeah, talked about this Eddie before. Offered. Oh, Eddie okay. offered. Yeah. Pina, Eddie yeah. offered. What? So what other record did he do? I think it was the done? El the Emerson Lake and Palmer. Record. Oh, I think it was that one. Oh so, no. So he he really he loved their their like live energy coming off the fragile tour and he wanted he wanted to try and encapsulate their their live energy so he actually built a a stage in the studio a wooden stage for them all to play on as if they're at a concert and he talked about how that wooden stage actually affected the sound of the drums I like it, it. it may have been that I just didn't pay enough attention to it, but the times I did try to listen to the drums, I'd be like, it needs, it's just a little tinny. Like They're a little just not thin. out in the mix either. Yeah, like yeah. Said. That's really the main problem. I mean, they sound EQ'd and mixed okay. It's just they're not in the mix. Enough. And the organ sounds bright and full. Yeah. And it's right up <laughs> You can hear his fingers hitting the freaking. Yeah. 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 Moving on, side two now. Uh, track two is And You and I, and I know that the CD reissue of this actually split the song into two tracks. So the CD reissue made it actually four tracks. I, I don't know why they split this one, you know, and I guess because there is there is a middle part to this song where it, it would be easy to to break them in, in half. Well, and we talked about this with Think It's a Brick, like that is one song, but when you flip the record like it it's it it's in a place where it makes sense like it breaks up and then there's that the wind and the organ coming in and then they go right back into that part of the song but you know you can't just do that willy-nilly like Mm. it it wouldn't make any especially if there's three fucking songs (laughs) on the record that just uh uh, and yeah, I, I, I wrote the bass rules so many times. <laughs> it's <here>. so good. <laughs> well, and and you and I, it starts off kind of uh, folksy with a twelve-string guitar. Twelve-string, yeah. yeah. And th- this one, is, this one is kind of their folksy one. And another one that they break it into four sections. Uh, it, it, four sections: Chord of Life, Section Two, Eclipse, Section Three, The Preacher, The Teacher, and Four, The Apocalypse. And unlike Close to the Edge, which Anderson and Howe are the only ones that got the writing credits for that 18-minute song, just just the two guys got writing credit for that. This one, actually, everyone got a writing credit except Wakeman got a writing credit for this Good. The song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this one is like way more like spiritual. That's their whole theme was they wanted it to be sort of like a. Uh, uh, like the security and knowing that there's something else out there watching over you. It doesn't necessarily have to be God, but that's what Anderson was trying to go for. Even though the section four is called apocalypse, which doesn't make me sound, that doesn't sound very secure. What could, what could be more Christian than the apocalypse? It's what they all want. (laughs) 
they want they want their buddy uh, JP JC to show up and <laughs> JP JP yeah Jesus Paul Christ uh, show up and <laughs> and and kill them all and take them off to to heaven that's that Christians the, love that stuff so yeah. the beginning sounds like roundabout right yeah it's all great sure. it yeah. sounds like I'm it's, waiting it's, for him to be like it's the harmonics yeah he was trying to find the right harmonics yeah um i guess the they used to play this they played this live before they went into the studio an early live version of this was even longer they had a big climactic ending and then when they went into the studio they kind of didn't like it anymore and so they they i wonder if they actually like did they actually like take out acoustics and like play that like they're just like all right put your guitar all right everybody grab your acoustics and yeah i don't know (laughs) it reminded me of that emerson lake and palmer uh record because it they have kind of that acoustic break as well that's kind of the same thing with 12 strings that's yeah it does kind of the same thing a a lot of it is is i don't and i don't know what the the progenitor was of this but if if that's even a word but like the progenitor progenitor, yeah yeah, like copy of a copy of a copy of it and i assume that that that's successful like if you hear a good record you're like yeah i want to record what kiss did or what whatever you know it's just like (laughs) can't can't we do that it's eddie offered baby there it is yeah uh, and then track three, Siberian Katru. Uh, this one's got that just like straight, like rocking intro to it. This is, uh, but then again, how, he, how rips on this man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they call this one like their rocker, but then again, it, the rocking part only lasts a bit. And then it becomes sort of like, you know, whimsical proggy again, the sitar and the harpsichord and shit. Yeah. 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 Oh, so the harpsichord Wakeman played the solo on that is a what's called a goff harpsichord and it's created by a guy named thomas goff and this guy thomas goff he actually came to the studio while they were you know doing their sessions to show them how to set it up huh. and this guy was was ancient at that time because he died in 1975 just like three years after this Wow. But he wanted to make sure that these whippersnappers were playing his instrument correctly. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I've, I, I've seen a, uh, a metal band that had a hurdy-gurdy player. Do you know what that is? Oh, like yeah. A, yeah, and, and it was like, what the fuck is that? Like, so that's kind of cool. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. out like uncon- I, I saw Fishbone once and uh, Angelo Moore. Uh, the saxophone player and lead singer played a theremin, and I had no idea what that was. I had heard it, of course, a few times, but I was like, "What the fuck is that?" And it was yeah. great. That's that's cool. I just saw one of those played last night when I went and saw Devochka. Um, so, so this is the one at like five minutes, the snare changes because they add the tambourine to it, mm, yeah, and it just sounds rocking and full, and it's a good for the ending, really, right before that do that thing that they do. Do that. Do that. <laughs> well, uh, Anderson again wrote the lyrics for this one. He said that Katru was a Yemeni word that meant as you wish. And then uh, later people were asking him about it. And he was like, well, actually, I don't really know what it means. <laughs> he just, <laughs> he's just making up because, you know, he's he's he thinks he's like Mr. Spiritual, Mr. Uh, yeah. Oh, it sounds cool. Right. He's very much like it, just in thinking of all the yes songs that I know uh do 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 da do like it's a he likes to scat 
Like, and, yeah. and it's, it's he's kind of into it. So Anderson Howe got writing credits on this one, and Bob, I'm sorry, Wakeman got a writing credit yeah, on this, this one. You know. It's bound to happen. Yep. Um, yeah. So, and that's just kind of how the album ends. It's just those three songs. Uh, this one, uh, at least this one, didn't break down into sections. This one is just just Siberian Katru. That's the name of this one. No subtitles. This record uh, very much to me was going to a buffet, like a Chinese buffet, and they're almost out of everything, but you get a little bit of everything you like, okay. and then you, you don't get any more. Like, there were parts of this record I was like, oh, I liked it. Oh, it's over. Like, there were just, there were too many parts, and I think the, the Genesis record gave me like it was more filling like th this was way shorter than i expected like it or at least maybe it seemed that way but how long was it like it, it, it can't it's only be 30 32 33 yeah. minutes 37 51 like no, so okay yeah. yeah that that's surprising as hell like when you you know thick as a brick is 46 minutes long like in a yeah, grand, it's in the grand the whole vinyl so but, I, so I, like like jr said when when his wife went and saw this like and they they played this it's it kind of shows that this album itself is is its own like kind of short set that they still play to this day they'll go out and yeah. play all 37 minutes of it because it's only 37 minutes which is only for a band like yes nowadays that's you know that's like a third of their set sure and 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 looking at it from you know the 21st century in 2022 like it probably would have been a lot different if i experienced this in 1972 because if it came out and i sat and listened to it and and jr uh you know waves the flag of the the headphone rock a lot i could have really gotten into this like i got into thick as a brick and and foxtrot and and, and not elp but like the the idea that it's one song i think would have grabbed me whereas coming at it from now with my ears now it was just like oh 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 like it, it there was a lot of a lot more valleys than peaks for me yeah but i did enjoy it yeah and like you said the vocals the bass playing are excellent on it for sure yeah. listen to it for the bass playing at very least oh yeah absolutely and if and you're I, a fan of co like Coheed and newer bands, like Coheed gets all their like naming styles from these bands and they're the four part one song. Yeah. Shit. All the sub the subtitles and the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the Coheed is like, one of those bands that had just fell off from it. Like they've put out probably six records since I listened mm. to them last, and I loved them so much. I wonder if it's bad. Uh, the new <laughs> stuff is the closest to the old stuff, I would say. Oh, yeah, again, because they got their old drummer back, but they're not going to get the bass player again. The not Chris Penny guy, the guy before Chris Penny, is that you're talking about? Uh, Taylor Hawkins actually recorded the first album that Chris Penny toured on. That's actually Taylor Hawkins on the record. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, well, they Which can't get cool. him either. I actually, yeah, I went, I went and listened to that again recently. It's not that good. The magic for me. No some of the magic tomorrow, of, is that record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it might be the one before that. Oh but, yeah. Um, but the magic for me with Coheed is their drummer, the left hand drummer that plays right. 
there's oh, a really? sound to that. Like there's a sound to whenever you play your hi hat, the faith the more guy to Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it just gives you a sound on, on drums that no one else can match, you know. I mean, they got Chris Penny, they got the best, and Taylor Hawkins, they got yeah, two of the best in the business. And whenever their old drummer came back, it was much better. Awesome. So, I will check that out. Mike, you like, like anything their, right now? Our newest one. <laughs> Asia, Triscapes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I uh, yeah, I like a lot of stuff, but you know, I'll 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 tell you about all of it later. In 50 years, you'll, you'll tell me about it. Uh okay. Well, hey, Bob, thanks for joining us one more time on hey, thanks. on our prog rock corner of, well, uh, it's my pleasure. And um, hopefully we get into some like some Livia Newton John and some ABBA and some no, Chris Christopherson and No, this is it. This is this is it. Oh man. no. You're done. Oh, this, oh you're done okay Sorry. okay that's okay that's that's probably for the best uh but yeah bob's got some stuff coming down the pipeline so uh look out for that and he likes to draw yeah and... at mighty man monster maker on instagram and um i start recording my podcast uh that's this if you know anything about my old podcast it's kind of like that but it's very different and it's uh it's a game. It'll be fun. People will have fun. I'll have fun. That's all that matters. <laughs> it is. Sounds fun. Yeah. All right. Happy 50th birthday. <laughs>